We have an early look at Fantastic Beasts. We have The Grinch. We have The Girl with the Spiderweb. And we have some best actor predictions. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to LAOFCS Weekly, episode number 14. Uh, I am so happy to have a newbie with me on the show today. Uh, you may know him from Cinema Blend. He is an incredible writer, uh, someone who I read very frequently. Mr. Eric Eisenberg is here with us. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. It's great to be here, man. Well, thank you so much for being part of the organization and sure. uh, your contribution. It's Absolutely. always welcome. Yeah. And uh, love your opinions and love your work. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to share them all on the show this week. So let's do it. So we're going to uh, do. We're we're going to just switch it up for the rest of the year. I'm just gonna. We used to have a format here where we broke things down in like four little groups. I'm just throwing all that out the window. (laughs) So if you're new to the show. the first few episodes of the show are a lot different than these these next couple of episodes, so just so you know. So we're going to talk about two new releases first, um, but actually, I'm going to take that back. We're going to talk <laughs> about a movie that didn't come out yet, but the review embargo lifted yesterday, and it comes out next weekend, just because I feel like there's a lot of uh, hype around this movie. Absolutely. A lot of people are wanting to hear about it, and me and Eric had a opportunity not only to see the film, but to be part of the junket. And that movie, of course, is Fantastic Beasts 2, yep. The Crimes of Grindelwald. Or Grindelwald. Grindelwald. The character announcing <laughs> it in the film. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, Eric, what, what were your um, initial thoughts going in, and did it live up to the hype that you expected from uh, that? Well, I will preface everything by saying that I am... I, I read the Harry Potter books when I was a kid. In fact, I still have, like, first editions of the originals. I kind of fell off a little bit when that movie started uh, for just various reasons. Uh, so I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan in the world. Uh, however, I have seen all the movies and I saw Fantastic... I watched the first Fantastic Beast literally right as right before I was leaving for my screening of the second one. So uh, my expectations were tampered. I wasn't going in as like the most hyped person in the world. I knew that there was going to be some cool stuff in there. Uh, and overall, just kind of walking out of it, I thought it was fine. Uh, I, I dug the character work. I think that, especially compared to the first one, uh, which I thought was a bit tonally inconsistent, you kind of had parts of that movie that were trying to be very family-friendly, other parts that were trying to be very dark and more... Like, I, I kind of just, in my review, I even compared it to Sorcerer's Stone versus Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, this one definitely kind of settles more into that darker area, I think, which is a benefit for it. However, uh, I will also say, going back to my whole not being a huge Harry Potter guy... There was some stuff in here that did just kind of leave me a little bit lost and kind of I felt like I was in a little bit over my head. I didn't necessarily know how certain things worked and that did ultimately have an effect on the way I watched the film. That's a that's an interesting point. I like you, very similar. Uh, I read, you know, a few of the books. I, I didn't finish the the series. Um, I saw all the movies. Uh, the movies, you know, even the Harry Potter films for me, they were kind of um Ups and downs along yeah. the ways. Um, I just feel like some of them were really strong and other ones not so much, uh, especially the first two I felt were very, very weak. Yeah. Uh, especially if you go back and revisit them now, they're not as strong. Definitely. Uh, the, the third and fourth one were the, the, the strongest of the bunch. Um, there's always that question, did they really need to split the last movie into two movies? Sure. You know, all these things. But with that being said, um, I remember watching Fantastic Beasts and I remember seeing it in the theater and... 
What was interesting about it was it very much suffered from the origin story setup. Yes. Uh, where it's like, okay, we got to build this world. we got to build these characters. And the characters in the movie, I don't know if you felt this way, but for me, they were very hit or miss. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was behind Newt. I liked Eddie Redmayne as sure. Newt. But Catherine Warnerstone as Tina, not so much. <laughs> and I and I didn't like their chemistry. I, I didn't feel like they, they were very dynamic well, on screen it's together. It's very abrasive up front. Like they're very they clash a lot at the start of that story, and you are so much on Newt's side at the at the start that I, I get the kind of you don't necessarily fully attach yourself to Tina at first. So And then there's so much of this additional like character building in mm-hmm. that first movie where you know you get this credence is like briefly introduced and you're kind of like who's this guy and then there's all these other secondary characters and then you have dan dan fogler as like the comedic relief as as jacob and And also kind of the audience substitute being the human just kind of like i I kind of appreciated that again just like being kind of he was the highlight for me in the first movie yes same um you know and then going in the second Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline one you know there was i seen all these trailers there was a lot of hype you know comic-con they did an amazing job warner brothers yep. hats off to them for doing that amazing hall h performance that they did this year best thing i saw at comic-con this year and they were just the hype was real at that point mm-hmm. i feel like everyone really ate that up and uh after the trailer i was i was hooked i really wanted to see it um and I want to say that for the most part, this movie delivers. I think it's 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 far superior to the first film, almost on every level. Mm. You you get more character, you know, character depth. You get to get more of the build up. You know, you do get lost if you're not yeah. familiar. If you're not a what a, a Potterhead or whatever the <laughs> the term you want to use, you know, it, it, there's a lot of like. You know the hidden Mickey's kind of thing in there. Like yeah, it's, sure. it's like there's a lot of stuff in this movie, mm-hmm. and it just presumes that you know all of it. As yes, well. yeah. and, and and you know, and that's because I think J.K. Rowling, you know, she 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 wrote the screenplay this mm-hmm. time around. There was rumors that she wasn't very happy with how the screenplay turned out for the first movie, and she wanted to be more involved with it. But at the end of the day, I think her stepping in and actually making this movie more geared towards the fans and kind of giving them and building off the world and the universe that she created, Mm -hmm. I think it really added on. The other thing that I will say about this film is that I love the character building and how the character arcs change in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jacob is, is is you know, we don't get to see him as the plucky comic relief as much. He's more or less a character who's, who's, who's wondering what's going on with Queenie mm-hmm. and his concern for her. And then we have... Um, uh, Grindelwald, who I, I I thought Johnny Depp in this performance this this is this is a great Johnny Depp performance. Something See, that I kind of wanted more from him. Because, really, I mean, I'll, I'll just say like for example, one thing about this movie, in the sense of my outside looking in perspective, is I'm not really sure what the crimes of Grindelwald are. Okay, uh, like throughout uh, this movie, yes. he, he starts in prison. He has this like daring escape, and we like hear about him being kind of this master manipulator. And in the first movie, you heard about him being a dark wizard, and clearly he's for wizards. Over humanity, but at the same time, like I'm not 
fully like I, I don't know the specifics of exactly what it is that he wants other than maybe like wizards take over the world and and humans are like the subordinate but like as far as like the crimes just like, like talking about the title I'm, I don't think that's something that this movie fully engaged with which you know that's a, that's a very good point yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know I didn't I didn't think about the title of the movie too much uh-huh. because what were his crimes? No. You know, like I mean, I mean, his crimes was he broke loose from the police, I yeah, guess, sure. and I guess maybe they were building off the first movie a little mm-hmm. bit more. But even in the first movie, like he's, yeah. th- that movie starts with like you're seeing the back of his head and this big explosion, and then throughout you're hearing that he's evil. But and then obviously there's the reveal at the end with the whole Colin Farrell. Hope I'm not spoiling this movie. For yeah, yeah. Um, but like I mean, I guess Warner Brothers kind of spoiled it yeah. before the movie yeah, even right, released last time. Right. So, uh, but yeah, just uh, that whole switch like didn't really mean anything to me and then this one doesn't, I feel like, engage with him more in the character. But actually, I did want to quickly just uh, highlight something that you said, which is that this movie is very much for the fans, and that's why I ultimately can't take too much away from it, because, for example, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Like, the MCU, when I went to go see Avengers Infinity War, I knew every single little thing that was going on, and, like, that movie is perfectly made for me, and I understand that there are plenty of people out there who aren't as obsessive as I am, so they're not going to be a little bit lost. But we live in this age where there is so much entertainment. We are seeing so many, not only these blockbuster movies, but there's so many television shows and streaming services and all this stuff that, like, you don't have to make movies and television shows for everybody. You can speak to a specific audience, and if that's what Fantastic Beasts want to do and, like, have a really fun ride that... Harry Potter fans in particular can really enjoy. I'm not going to take that away from it. No, and I, th- I think, I mean, you did say, and I, and I, and I definitely agree with you, is that it is a better film than the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with this franchise right now that we're seeing is that there's a planned five film series about yes. this. So even though I felt this one was a much better crafted film, it was a lot more grounded. There was, you know. You know, the thing like about Grindelwald where I thought was really interesting was you kind of got why he was the bad guy, Mm. but you kind of got why he was so menacing and like people would get behind him because he was very much like a character that spoke like how he felt. Mm. And you can see throughout history, and I know there's comparisons right now to him, you know, to our president, (laughs) uh, you know, which we knew coming out of this movie there was going to be. But there's just some some of his rhetoric is just you know you get behind what he's saying you you understand his reasoning it's very different from Voldemort where I feel like that character you kind of like ah oh, it's just an evil guy <laughs> it's an evil guy he magic whatever uh. but this one like you can kind of see what he's setting up mm-hmm. and you can see why he would want to wage war sure so I appreciated that as- aspect of it and I also appreciated the fact that doesn't have to spell everything out for the average person Mm -hmm. and that for fans of harry potter universe there's so many little cookies in there and i mean even the ending the way that this movie ends and where it goes it's 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 such a a perfect way to get people excited and Mm -hmm. i feel like even if you watch the first fantastic beast and then you watch the second one you kind of you're you're you're, even if you're not 100 percent sold on the movie you're still left with this feeling like, I kind of want to see where this movie goes. Sure. I mean, I don't. do you feel that way? Or yeah, you don't? I'll continue watching these movies. I mean, I feel like even just being, a prof- I have a professional responsibility to just kind of like keep up with it. No, but, well, take yeah. that out of that. Sure. Take that out. Would you, would you go see the next one if you didn't have a professional responsibility to do so? Well, I will say this. Um, while I wasn't a huge Harry, Pan- Harry Potter fan going in, I'm, I was engaged enough with what's going on that I, am, I have a certain level of curiosity to where it's going to be going. And 
it certainly has tons of cliffhangers. Like, where this, like, I think there is a fair argument to be made that, like, I mean, there's a lot of sequels that are like this, but that it's not a full, complete story by itself, that it is just kind of a chapter two that is clearly leading, as you said, to a kind of five part series. Um, but, like you said, but in that respect, like, there are a lot of movies that are able to, like, hook me with that kind of cliffhanger ending and make me want to go see the second one, and I, or the next one, and I think that this one succeeded in that. Good. What would you, what would you give this movie on a scale of one to ten? Out of one to ten, I'm about a six with it. I, I, I gave it a, a three out of five on my review on Cinema Blend, uh, and yeah, like, I, I think what it is is, like, I didn't, I, I liked it, I didn't love it, uh, I think I can appreciate it, and... We'll see where it goes from here. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would give it an eight. Um, I think I gave the first one a six. Um, I just think that it really does build upon what what the installments are setting out to do. Um, I feel like the performances were a lot stronger this time. There wasn't like this awkwardness between the characters. They they actually felt like they belonged in the Together, movie. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, and the the build up of Credence character um, is just great to me. The cre- the cre- I think Credence is definitely the like most significant improvement, at least character wise, yes. from the first movie to the second one. Because the first one, you're just like he's he, he, he's not fully <laughs> developed. He's kind of like this side character who's kind of like hanging out with Colin Farrell occasionally. This one, he's actually like you know what he's doing you know what his goals are and i think that is a much better step for the movie yeah so. absolutely uh, moving on to this week's releases sure. <laughs> um we have there's there's four movies coming out um there's the grinch which is of course a remake of the television classic from 1966 i think that's about right yep yeah. and, and 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 then there's a ron howard movie uh that <laughs> people don't people about, people yeah. don't want to talk about some people <laughs> like it uh then followed up by we have overlord which is the new it's funny jj abrams executive produced movie like sure. forget anyone else who directed or anything else because i don't know who <laughs> it, it doesn't is matter yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter and then of course we have the girl in the spider's web uh starring claire foy and then there's a little uh indie comedy coming out called the long the long dumb road um how this works with the movie pick of the week is I, I'm not going to – this is going to be a first for the show. I'm not going to do the reveal this week, but I am going to say it is a, a – right now it's a nail-biter sure. between The Grinch and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So we're just going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, stay tuned to our Twitter, and we will reveal that probably at the end of the day today, which one ultimately won, or it might be a tie. So who knows? Um so we wanted to talk talk about the Grinch. Um, Eric, I uh, would love to hear your feelings. Sure. Um, uh, again, I'll kind of preface with my thoughts going in, which is that I'm not in love with Illumina- Illumination Entertainment. Uh, I really don't like the Despicable Me movies, <laughs> really at all. Uh, no. Like it's just they they I, they don't they've never clicked with me. I, I like I thought the first one's kind of mediocre, and they've just gotten worse since then. Not a big Minions guy. Uh, as for the Doctor Seuss side of things, uh, I think. Lorax is terrible. <laughs> like I really, really like. I think that movie completely gutted uh, the entire inspiration from that was from uh, Doctor Seuss's book. This one, I'm okay with. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> uh, like it, it's it's definitely not uh, like compared to my like past feelings of the stuff that I've seen from this studio. Um, I think the animation looks fantastic. Like they have, it actually has really cool character development. Just I mean, and just the development of where animation is these days, where you can do that kind of fine detail, especially with fuzzy characters, which is everybody in this movie. Um, but you know, I think the ultimate drawback, if I like, is that it is. The story you know, it is very much The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. If you watch that original uh, cartoon from the 1960s, you basically get the gist here and what's being updated here is performances and a few extra details and obviously the animation. So, uh, it's fine. (laughs) 
just what the studio wanted to hear. Yeah, it's exactly, fine. Right? Yeah, that's a uh, full quote. Eric Isaacson will yeah. yeah. How how did you feel about it? It's fine. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, I I watched the original growing up. I'm sure you did too. Sure. And I mean, it, it's pretty much a staple uh, of of my life. You know, just like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and the whole Christmas story and all this stuff. So. We we walk this really fine line whenever they do something that that hits us so hard in the nostalgia side of things, sure. and I know the Jim Carrey version. You know, people very much dislike that, uh, but there is a, a quite a few people who who do like that movie too. I was very mixed on that movie. I didn't hate it. I appreciated what, for what it was. Obviously, a cash grab. Way better than Cat in the Hat starring Mike Myers, I think. We I, love, least, I, really? love no. Cat, I love oh Cat in the Hat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Cat. Okay. That movie oh. is like Mike Myers, like him playing Austin Powers in the cat suit. I, love, I, like, I mean, I take that. It's so inappropriate. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I know I know, I know, know why it's a bad movie. Don't uh-huh. get me wrong. I get why it's a bad movie, but my God, but I, had such fun. I had so much fun with it. <laughs> I had so much fun with it. But The Grinch, it's, it's interesting because... The trailers did nothing for me yeah. on this. My, my, my wife is big into animation. She loves it. And uh, she was so excited about this. She's like, Scott, you got to watch this trailer. You got to watch this trailer. I watched it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what you got. Yeah. And um, I'm hit or miss on Illumination. Yeah. Like, I, I, um, I hated Minions. The Minion movie, I, I hated. Yeah, um, Despicable Me, I like because mm-hmm. I like Gru. You know, Gru more Gru and the little girls more so than the minions. Sure. You know, they're just the same thing over and over again with those. Um, and I like Secret Life of Pets, but again, because I'm a dog, you know, dog lover. Yeah, sure. You know, I get it. Did it uh, weird you out that the dog in here was named Max as well? Like, is it just yeah? It's a little like, weird. It kind of it's threw me. Just weird. like, oh yeah, that's weird that yeah, it's a dog named though, Max just after the Secret yeah, Life of Pets. Yeah, well, they also changed the voice in the new one. Sure. You know why? Um, but yeah, I, but anyway, the Grinch. For me, it was like I was not that excited about it, and I went in with you know lukewarm you know expectations for mm-hmm. it, and I enjoyed it. I thought like it captured the spirit of the original. Um, it added a little bit. It added something different. Like I love that they brought it up for modern times. Like the the music's a little bit more hip. Um, the characters a little bit more lively. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about the the mom, you know. Cindy Lou Who wanting to go to bat for the mom. Yeah. I just, it, it's the heartwarming because <laughs> she, like, like, oh, let me get my hot chocolate and just fall in love kind of thing. Yeah. I get it. I mean, it's not made for us. Let's, let's, no, that's, that's 100% that's, that's, sure. Yes. This is an it's like, it's not made for us. It's made for my nieces and my nephews who want to go see it and they want to call it the Grunch instead of the Grinch <laughs> and all that good stuff. Uh-huh. But I, I, it's no harm, no foul for yeah. me. I just, I thought it was entertaining. It, it, it sets the tone for the holiday season and it works for what it is. Yeah. Um, I would give it a seven. Yeah. I maybe 4.5 ish, like, yeah. Like, I, like honestly, I, I think just also just speaking to illumination entertainment is like when I see like films from like Pixar or even like Warner animation group, like I do feel like there are original stories that are like telling that actually have like real deep meanings to it. And so kind of what you're saying is like, I feel like they are audiences for everybody. Illumination entertainment, they definitely aim for the kind of younger group. And also just like, I feel like I just don't get as much when it's an adaptation, especially when it's an adaptation that we've seen previously, even in a well, I mean, when you take a Dr. Seuss, I mean, Dr. Seuss is beloved. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, his books are just iconic, even sure. to this day. I mean, that's that's a author who has just 
every single decade has went on. Yeah. Like you, you could just everyone wants to share those stories, and they're great stories. Absolutely. So it's hard to bring that magic to life, and especially when it's not something that's 20 minutes yes it's it turns into a 90 minute movie and that's something that i will also give this movie credit for is that it doesn't overstay its welcome yeah. it, it's very short and sweet and it works but i get it i get what you're saying yeah. i mean pixar has set the bar so incredibly high yeah and you know disney animation is is starting to get there now you know the last couple of years we've seen it whether it's frozen and some other ever since, ever since tangled yeah yeah tangled yeah. like they've just been they've been on a roll now but you know, for a long period of time, they were they were losing it. I mean, they shut down a lot of their oh, yeah. hand drawn animation stuff because they weren't making money. They weren't doing well, mm. and you know, they went over completely to computer animated movies. And you know, they finally figured out like, hey, we need a good script to go with this beautiful animation, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, which I'm glad. But you know, Illumination, I think they're they make money, and they know because. They know who's the demographic. Right. They really know that kids are going to go see this movie or they're going to beg their parents to take them to see this movie, I should say. Yeah. Um, Warner Brothers animation has been hit or miss. Yeah. You know, Fox, Blue Sky, you know, all those, they've all been yeah. hit and miss. I'm, there's, there, there's no one who comes out other than Disney who, you know, nine times out of ten has a hit. Park, yeah. It's just a shame. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, I did not see The Girl in the Spider's Web. Okay. I was supposed to go see it, but uh, I had to do a show here and then another screening I couldn't make. So I, I'm curious because I have heard sure. very mixed things about this one. Uh, well, I have a very mixed opinion yeah, about go, it. Because uh, I, I love, like, uh, Fetty Alvarez, I am a big fan of. Uh, the Evil Dead remake that he did, I think, I'm a staunch defender of it. I think there are a few horror movies these days that are as just affecting as that one it is just a movie that's just like so assaulting on your senses that yes. i just i love it uh and don't breathe i think is another really fantastic film one. it's like so deeply thrilling this one though i was so surprised because like just knowing fede alvarez's work it kind of I, I hate to use the word but it does feel almost neutered like there is it like he pulls back when, when this is a, a a property that should be like going full blown darkness and it never i felt like was pushing that line where i was saying like whoa which i think uh david fincher's girl with oh, Dragon yeah. Tattoo absolutely did i think uh the original uh, swedish films absolutely did so i was kind of upset with that and overall uh it's kind of weird to say just because of what, what the source material is but story-wise it reminded me very much of kind of an airport novel series that has gotten into like its eighth or ninth book let alone like what should be here it's like their second book but it's just it's bringing out like there's this big MacGuffin plot involving a like application that's able to take control of all the nuclear weapons around the world which is just preposterous and just in, in ridiculous and like so you're really and but everything hinges on that and then on top of this so like you have the kind of weak MacGuffin and then on top of that you also have a like kind of backstory that involves Lisbeth's family which comes from the, the, the source material but it also just it immediately reminded me like Spectre which uh, like why is Blofeld related to James Bond and this is this twist doesn't add anything yeah. and and I, like it just like it just felt like we need something to do to like develop Lisbeth's character from a personal level let's just make it her family did they, and, they even and, address how she switched characters and, uh, you mean that it's a uh, yeah. I said no they just yeah they, I mean like they they kind of hint that because like uh, Michael Bloomquist, uh, who was played by Daniel Craig in the first movie, he's also another character. He's also still in this one, played by an actor who I don't recognize or D- know doesn't that. matter. Yeah, uh, they didn't yeah. care about that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I mean, but like, there is you do get a sense of like, oh, there is a past between these two characters. There's nothing specific about it, 
But, um, so, like, it's, it definitely is a sequel, but it's not, this definitely isn't a movie where it's like, oh, you definitely need to see David Fincher's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo before you see Spider's Web. So, I don't even yeah. understand why they made it. You yeah. know, like, well, I, I can tell you truck. exactly why they made it. It's because Sony uh, needs IP. Uh, like, <laughs> they, they, like, uh, I, I, there was, it's, I can't, unfortunately, I can't uh, remember the name of the book, but there is, like, if you look at kind of Sony's development over especially the last 10 years, uh, there was a big shift in Hollywood where it went from like big name actors, big name directors are the real big draws of film to IP. And it's now more about the brands that you own, which is also why Sony is now going full bore with the, with everything Spider-Man because it is by far their most popular franchise. So we're now seeing Venom and Into the Spider-Verse and every single Spider-Man project that they can possibly come up with. And so they need those kind of properties that they can kind of latch onto and try and continue as franchises. This is that attempt. They're trying to like make Elizabeth Salander a like franchise character. It just it doesn't really they, work. They're trying to make it for adults, right? Yeah. Like they're trying to find an adult franchise because right. they have Hotel Transylvania, which is working pretty well That's for them. Yeah. You know, they're doing like you said, the Spider Man, which appeals to a very wide audience. I mean, they also I think they're gonna be riding on the Jumanji wave mm-hmm. for a while too. Yeah. But I mean Sony is just it's a weird studio because yeah. I feel like they just sometimes I watch them and I feel like they know what they're doing, mm. and then every once in a while they get thrown a project like they get like searching, like they yeah. get some something great <laughs> because and you like, do oh, the, wow, yeah. you're like, whoa, how'd you end up with this? And sure. then you know, and then there's other movies where you're just like, I can yeah. see why you're not doing well. This development strategy is just not yeah, it's they need to itself. regroup. Yeah, they really need to regroup. Yeah. Uh, what would you give that one? Um, that one I'm I guess more leaning I, I guess like a five or a six in that one like it's 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 fine like it's it's definitely a movie that like is perfectly made for like HBO on a Saturday afternoon where you're just like it's on and you're just like oh, okay I'll watch that uh, and you're just not doing anything else so yeah okay so I'll wait until it comes on streaming yeah. thank you for the recommendation <laughs> I will wait until it comes on streaming because sure. it's Oscar season. It's there's, Oscar there's a lot of there's movies. There's a lot of right freaking now. movies I gotta go see. <laughs> yeah, no joke. And I, we have a deadline of like December second, so yeah. I need to get them in. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, girl with the spider's web. I'll wait yeah. for you later. Um, all right, let's jump into our. I don't know if you need a copy of this. I printed out one just in case you have some of your own. Oh, um, so we're gonna jump jump into best actor in terms of our Oscar predictions. Um, this is just a general list. Uh, I I like to start this off with. Is is there anyone who is not on this list who you want to see or someone you feel is very uh, being overlooked this year? What? This covers it. <laughs> this yeah. Is, yeah, no, I think like because I, I think it's a very tight race this year. Like there obviously there's been a ridiculous number of fantastic movies, but as far as like the specific best performance, I think that yeah, I mean obviously some of these movies have not come out yet. We're still waiting right. for, but uh, and some of them I haven't seen. But this definitely. This looks like the crew that we're going to be dealing with as we get into the rest of the Okay. Okay. So, if you can pick anyone from this list, (laughs) who would you pick for the best actor? Right now, just from everything that I've seen... you know, I, I I love John David Washington in Black Klansman. I don't know that it's necessarily up there to, like, necessarily get it. Um... Christian Bale and Vice, I am beyond excited for. Like Me that, too. just watching that trailer and just seeing, like, and obviously they awarded him back with the fighter for his physical transformation. But here, it's it just looks like something that is next level. Um, 
Gosh, uh, and Lucas Hedges. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like <laughs> it's so hard to like pick a front runner because I'd also say like Lucas Hedges and Boy Race is another really great performance. But that's another one where I feel like Nicole Kidman is probably going to get more attention for Best Supporting Actor. Lucas so, Hedges you know. has not only Boy Erased, yeah. but he has Ben is Back, back which yeah. I know you didn't see yet. But a couple of our members saw it because I, I praised it, and I and they were ta- they they've been calling me or they've been texting me after they see it, and mm-hmm. they say, "Oh, this is really good. You were right about this one." <laughs> Uh, which I'm not right about everything. I'm uh, usually not right at all. Um, but it's funny because he's my he's my underdog this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, you can take either one of those movies. I don't care which one he gets uh, nominated an award for, yeah. for uh, and wins an award for. But he's my underdog. I will also just do a quick shout out for him in mid '90s too, because oh, it's yeah. a small little role, but it's fantastic. And like, he also has one of the best like emotional moments in the entire film, which like, especially after his, it's such a brutal role up to that point. Yeah, but Lucas Hedges this year is like, I mean, because I loved uh, Manchester by the Sea. I thought him in that he was absolutely phenomenal in that. Definitely caught my attention this year, though. I think his definitely yeah. Blow up. And everyone always forgets he was in Lady Bird. He was great in that too. Absolutely, yes. No, exactly. That was a much small, smaller role, but yes, absolutely. it's it's very strange because. Um, I think Ashley mentioned this because she was on the Next Best Picture podcast earlier this week, and she was talking about Boy Erased. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that Lucas Hedges is at the misfortune because he's on Broadway right now, Uh and he doesn't have a lot of time to go out promoting. So I think that's weird that we live in a world where (laughs) someone can have three great performances in one year, but is going to be jeopardized because he's doing a Broadway show. It can't go on His tour. popularity is just getting in his way. You know, yeah. you know, screw him. You know, whatever. <laughs> I guess he doesn't need the award. He's getting the work, right? I know, yeah, I know, so, I know. Yeah. But it's just, it's weird how we, how we look at things like that sometimes and we yeah. just, you know, oh, he's not around on the festival circuit or, you know, or the, on the award circuit right now promoting. Yeah. So it's like, he might not have a chance. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's been talking about there, – there's a lot of names that I've been hearing mm. this year, um, you know, and ever since Toronto, Star is Born is obviously sure. – And Bradley Cooper. Yet, you haven't seen it yet? I have not seen it yet. That's yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's 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 surprising. Yeah. No, it, it's it, like I'm going to. I, I'm going to. It's just, but like you said, there's, there's, there's one a on, lot of movies. There's a screening tonight, by the way. Uh, I actually I'm already seeing uh, Stan and Ollie tonight. Which oh, is another, Stan, you know, Stan and so, Ollie. Yeah. Oh, you didn't see it. All right. Yeah. It, I want to say that that that's another underdog this award uh. season. Fantastic. Four I see Don C. Riley on four season, incredible yeah. performances in that okay. movie. That's all I'll say about that. Awesome. Um do you see Green Book? I haven't seen Green Book. I'm seeing that on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Uh minus his comments on Twitter yesterday. Or not on Twitter, but whatever happened on one of the junkets or whatever he's at. Which by the way, I wanna I wanna point this out too. I went I did an interview with him on Monday mm-hmm. and he also dropped the N word. During that. And it was interesting because everyone at the table, I was in an international room for that. No one reacted. Hmm. No one reacted. It had no effect on anyone at the table because he was talking about the word in the context of the film and the time frame that it... As opposed to yeah. like a derogative. It wasn't yeah. like he was just going out and saying, you know, and this or and this. Like, he was talking about it in the context Next. of the film. Mm-hmm. So it was very strange to me to wake up this morning and read this article about him apologize for using the word when he was promoting this movie when it's very much relevant to the movie and he's not going around using that in a negative way right um it's i don't i just wanted to bring that up because i don't i i read that just may hurt his chances it's like why yeah 
And, I, and honestly, also, it's just like, this is also, we're still early November, and by the time that we actually get deep into the season, I think people yeah. will just completely forget about it. But I think this his performance, and I'm, I'm so curious, we mm. might have to have, we should definitely have you back in, sure. a, in the next couple of weeks, um, maybe the last week of the month, mm. so we can talk about this and do a real thorough kind of like Oscar talk. Just we might it. have to do four, four people that, <laughs> that week. But... You know, he's so good in this performance. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like looking at it as like, it's so stereotypical Italian. I hear some of the naysayers saying it on Twitter. I interviewed not only him, but I interviewed the writer uh, who is actually related to, I think it's the son Mm -hmm. of the real person. person, Yeah. And it's it's fascinating because he said, nope, that was my dad. That was my dad. He became my dad. And like even scenes in the movie where I thought were like very Hollywood, where Mm -hmm. they were just like doing it for yucks. Sure. They were real. Yeah. And so seeing that, I'm going to see the movie again tonight. I, I'm, I'm just so curious now to rewatch it with those lenses because if I had anything negative to say about the film was those little cutesy moments where mm-hmm. I thought were Hollywood. But he was like, nope, that would all happen. That was, that was how he was. So well, actually, kudos to him. I'll transfer that into a conversation about uh, Ryan Gosling and First Man. Too, okay. Because that, I feel, is a complicated situation because uh, First Man... I liked but didn't love, and part of the reason why I didn't love it is because I didn't feel fully emotionally engaged with it. Uh, in fact, like I actually draw a lot of comparisons between it and Dunkirk in that, like, oh yeah, it's a yes. it's a really gorgeous, beautifully shot, uh, and oftentimes thrilling uh, like engagement with this real bit of history, but at the same time also exists from a certain distance so that you can kind of take it all in but don't fully engage with it. And I think part of that with First Man, what st- stands out is that. Uh, Neil Armstrong is a stoic. He, like, in order to do the job that he does, he cannot be emotional. You can't be in a sat, uh, like, in a ship orbiting the Earth, suddenly spinning out of control in a zero gravity environment and start freaking out. That's just not who you are. That's so, when we see Ryan Gosling in this performance, uh, being very stoic, and obviously that is, we, we've seen him do that kind of thing before. I mean, I, I think a standout one is Drive, but yes, I personally yes. love Drive. Um, so, like, it's weird because when I look at this performance, I'm saying like, okay, uh, this is Ryan Gosling doing his thing and it's, it has a certain amount of power, but I'm not fully emotionally engaging with it. But however, as far as capturing the actual essence of the person that he is playing, can't take it away from him at all. I think, but what you touched upon there, which is interesting, is that it's not something that's new mm-hmm. for him. Right. And it's something that we've seen him do before. So that's what hurts the performance for i mean let's not forget to mention that the movie like came and went like with a blink of an eye yeah. i mean they were so hoping that this movie was going to be big they pushed it at telluride they pushed it at toronto and all the festivals mm-hmm. and they were hoping that this was going to be their baby and now they've switched gears to green book because yeah. it, it is universal i mean it basically got swallowed up by stars born yeah and i mean the thing is is that you know a lot of people even people in our group like katie's like why why is this movie out now? Uh-huh. You know, like, and, and that's that's the question you kind of have to ask yourself. Right now, if you look at a lot of movies that have been coming out, the movies that we're talking about are very topical. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with issues that are now, that are in the now. Yeah. And, you know, is it was the time right outside of the anniversary to release a well, movie like... Well, the anniversary like, is for, next year. Yeah. I know. 
<laughs> I think that's ultimately the Santa thing. It's like, yes, he went in 1969. Next year is the 50th anniversary, which is like the ultimate anniversary, like other than the, the century mark. Yeah, you wait sh- for the 50th anniversary. And I'm sure next year we're going to be hearing like tons of Neil Armstrong stuff and it's all going to come out. But that was the time for this movie. And But I think you're absolutely right. It's like this movie, it doesn't have the certain relevance. And like, I think even the fact that like the most political thing that we've been hearing about the movie is about the whole flag planting scene, which is such a non-issue. Oh, ultimately. it's so it's non so completely stupid. But, uh, but like, I think that kind of speaks to a point is that like, it, it, there isn't a certain, there isn't really a relevance that we have with the modern experience that li- relates back to this movie. So while we can appreciate it as, I mean, cause the IMAX sequences are incredible. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, I think Damien Chazelle shot the hell out of this thing. However, like, but does it have an impact beyond the fact of being a solid film? Not really. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's where I think the movie falls yeah. very short. Um, you know, another name that's on this list is also Steve Carell, which, yep. you know, uh, he's, he has Welcome to Marwin, but hasn't been released yet, which is one that I'm super duper excited very about. Excited for, I'm yes. very excited Absolutely. about that. Um, but they're talking about this beautiful boy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is another one that has kind of, you know, gotten a very mixed reaction from people. Sure. Um, you know, me and Scott Mans I'm have radically yeah. different views okay. on this movie. <laughs> Uh, what do you feel about it? I mean, I think that it is... I I, I liked it. It's fine. Uh, like, it, I, I do feel like it is... Uh, it's Oscar, it's Oscar bait. bait. Dude, That's it, the word. I, and I hate yeah. using that term. No, so do it's, I. It's, yeah. it's, it's Steve Carell screaming. <laughs> it's Timothy Chalamet crying. Uh-huh. Sometimes they're screaming and crying at the same time. I'll also say it's the darkest uh, fan fiction for The Office ever, just because oh, of what yeah. it does with It's like, oh wow, this they're really totally crumbled. This I, is I don't, I don't listen. I, and I am a Steve Carell fanboy. Oh, absolutely. I will say I am a fanboy mm-hmm. all the way. This was probably like my one of his most underwhelming performances. I'm yeah. sorry, Steve. I just it just didn't work for me. I, I think there's. I mean, like I, the sequence that I keep coming back to when I think about Beautiful Boy is when he actually tries crystal meth in order to try and understand his son. There's nothing to that sequence. No, nothing at all. And like I expected, like and that's a sequence where you should actually like in, like that should be like a montage where he's experiencing all these things and like thinking, and you should like see his thoughts come alive. There's nothing. Like, it just kind of happens and then nothing. Then you yeah. kind of just cut back to, like, the sun. And, like, so, yeah, and, like, so, like, I, when I think about Steve Carell's great performance, like, I think Foxcatcher is an unbelievably oh, yeah. phenomenal performance. And, but, so then I look at this one, it's just like, this one is like, I get why you would think that this would be up for big Academy Awards. And, but, like, I definitely think Marwin is. Even much Last more, Fight yeah. Flying. He was so yeah. much better oh, than that absolutely. movie. Yeah. Oh, he was great in Last Fight yeah. Flying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that, nobody gave that movie no, love. Yeah, that got nothing. No. And, and yeah, like that ensemble. Also, Brian Cranston is in that movie, too. Yeah, that, like, yeah, Link Lander deserved a lot more credit for that. I one. know. No one, no one seemed to see it. Now, do you think, you know, this has been conversation now for the last two weeks? Uh, Rami Malik. Do sure. you think. He uh, has a chance or no? This is going to make me completely sound biased against music and movies okay, uh, because okay, I also, I also okay. have not seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet. However, uh, uh, I have. Well, I did get to do a like preview event uh, in Vegas in, in, when I, I did a thing out to Vegas where I got to see some footage from the film, got to interview Rami Malek, and everything that I saw. That performance looks phenomenal. He looked. I mean, it like everything just like acting with the extra like dentures in his mouth, and uh, they, he just embodies the character and. I mean, from what I understand, the movie, like, around kind of the 
concert sequences, which was the bulk of what I got to see, doesn't necessarily hold up, and it kind of falls into some more like uh, cliche, yeah. like biopic stuff. But uh, but at the same time, like, what more can you ask for from your star performer than to embody fully embody the person that he's playing? And everything that I saw is Rami Malek is Freddie Mercury. So you know what. It's it's funny on this list. I don't remember what website I pulled this from. So thank you, Award Watch, Next Best Picture, <laughs> whoever I pulled this from. Thank you. Uh, I visit you guys frequently. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because you know on the top of this list is Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. On the bottom of the ten is Rami Malek. Yeah. And it's weird because one of the questions that I had when I walked out of this, I asked Ashley, I asked a couple other people who saw it, um, people in our group. You know. Which one gave a better performance? And it, it's interesting because someone's like, well, Ryan Malik didn't sing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. but he had to become a per- someone else. Yeah. And like, you didn't want Rami Malik really to <laughs> sing, right? Like, he ain't going to live up to no, exactly. Freddie Mercury. So <laughs> no one's going to live up to Freddie Mercury. You That's really never going to happen. You don't want that right. to happen anyhow. So, like, let's just be thankful that he didn't try. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, but like Bradley Cooper, you know, he's, he, you know, he has that, that, that sulky country voice. He's doing his Sam Elliott impression when he's singing. Sure. Like, He's really good, so it's it's kind of funny though to see this 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 difference that people are so like in love with Bradley Cooper, but like Rami Malek is so far down the list for most true. people, mm-hmm. and I I feel like they're very even. Like yeah. I can there's something I can find about one that I can can't find about another, and then vice versa. Where I I feel like they're on the same playing field, but mm-hmm. everyone has Bradley Cooper so high. And I, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I love Stars Born. But I'm just saying, like it's it's kind of weird to me, and I and I wonder how much of this is just tying into the whole elephant in the room with the Brian, Brian Singer, Singer thing. Sure, yeah. I don't know. This is very strange. Um, before I move on from this, I yeah. do want to also give one last shout out to uh, Ethan Hawke in First Reformed. Yes, a yeah. fantastic performance. I mean, I know no one really saw this movie. Well, it came out in May, and I'm still not really sure why. <laughs> uh, that was a thing. A24 uh, couldn't market this one as well, I think, yeah. as the other ones. You know, they, they they had a good run with 8th grade, and they're doing fairly well with mid-90s, and, mm-hmm. of course, Hereditary. But First, Re- First Reform was a hard sell. Yeah. You know, like, how are you going to market that? Yeah, that's true. And, then, like, you basically do have to just... I mean, because, yeah, it's entirely about a priest who considers some really dark things when... Like set with like the realities of climate change. Uh, that, uh, yeah. That's not an easy movie to sell in any atmosphere, let alone uh, the current one. So, uh, but at the same time, like it is a fantastic performance. It's, I think it is some of the best work that Ethan Hawke has done. I'm thinking back on it in a good long time, like he's, probably think, since the Before trilogy, right? Yeah, like, that's that's yeah. why I would think. Yeah, probably, yeah, it's probably since Before Midnight. Um, so yeah, like, uh, but yeah, I think I think problem like this one because uh, I mean, A24 has sent out screeners. They are trying to like they are trying to get our attention with it. Um, but I do wonder if, like, just being a May release and, like you said, just really hard to kind of get out there, if that's just going to hurt his This is exposure. a Spirit Awards. Yeah, there you this go. This is a Spirit Awards movie. Yeah. yeah. That's where I, I say And actually, it. I will also just say Stephen James' uh, Bill Street as well is a fantastic performance, but at the same time, maybe not up to the category just yet. I don't know what you That mean. movie was okay. I like Bill Street quite a bit. I, I mean, I liked I liked it, but I feel like with all the other topical movies that have come out this year, mm. it was one of the lower ones on my radar. Yeah. Like I, I remember seeing it after I saw Hate You Give, um, which I absolutely loved, and I feel like is not getting enough love this award season. Mm. 
Um, Beale Street is is beautiful because it's poetic and it's really a story of black love. And I I I did enjoy it. And Barry Jenkins is just magical. I will say it. that's just the standout for me is just like what Barry Jenkins does with his like the cinematography, like the way that he frames the the characters is just at so unbelievably like it's chilling. It's it's so incredibly well done. He his future is so bright. Like I am so excited to see every single thing that he has coming down the pike. Yeah, I I mean it's just he's a brilliant filmmaker, and I mean that's I I admire that a little bit more than I admired the movie itself. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the way he shot the film and just like the poetic nature of the storytelling I really got behind. But in yeah. terms of the performances, um, I just wasn't that like blown away by it. I know they're like, they're more subtle. Like they're not as showy of performances. Right. They're much more subtle. But I was just strange because I guess there was so much buildup to it mm-hmm. that when I went into it, I just didn't feel like I was, I didn't walk away being like, whoa. Yeah. Like, you know, when I walked out of Moonlight. I remember having that like, whew, that's yeah. like, an, and I saw that at the last screening of TIFF. Like yeah. everyone was talking about, you gotta see Moonlight, you gotta see Moonlight. I'm like, there is no way this movie is gonna live up to the hype. And I remember seeing it. I mean, just like Mahershala, and it's a really powerful house movie. Yeah. But uh, Beale Street didn't have the same effect for me. No. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's like as a follow up to Moonlight. It's not Moonlight. It's not as good. But at the same time, like it, I think it does firm that Barry Jenkins is an extremely talented filmmaker. And we'll be and here that, for a while. And we'll be here for a long time. Yeah. All right. So moving out of the uh, Oscar predictions, we're going to go into our uh, retro picks. We're going to okay. do retro. Um, what is something that you would like to recommend that's a little bit older? Sure. Uh, well, I have uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs on my mind a lot because it is, it is honestly my most anticipated for the rest of the year. I'm seeing it tomorrow. Couldn't be more excited because I am quite possibly the biggest Coen Brothers uh-huh. fan in the world. So I am going to uh, take a look back at uh, their first comedy, which was 1987's Raising Arizona, which uh, is a film, like, it was actually the first Coen Brothers film that I, I personally saw. Uh, I will say that I think Big Lebowski is their, their best comedy. I think there's a lot of people yeah. that agree with me on that. However, Raising Arizona, I just think, is just such an incredible gem. Uh, when Just in every single context, because it is such an oddball feature. Like, it is it's one of the, like, it's weird to say, because but it's one of the most out there kind of Nicolas Cage performances, just because H.I. McDonough is such an oddball character. You can kind of see uh, elements of what the Coen brothers would later do with their career uh, with uh, uh, Lawrence Smalls is kind of a proto-Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. So you kind of mix in that whole darkness and comedy. Like, John Goodman and uh, William Forsythe as this, are just absolutely hilarious. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally rambling. But there's just so much that I love about raising Arizona. I, I mean, the Coen brothers are amazing. Yes. I mean, they have had their share of like not so great. I wouldn't yeah. say not even not so great. I would just say misses. Exactly. Like the only the I think the only legit. It's even hard to say legitimately bad film because I rewatched it and I, my hate is lessened. But. Lady Killers is pretty much the only one that I won't just pop in at any random time. Every other movie, I think, is so like immensely watchable and fun and has its own sense of style. And just like the fact that the Coen brothers can just go all over the board tonally and always just hit it right on. Yeah, impresses the hell out of me. There, I, I love Raising Arizona. I think it's a yeah. great film. And like you said, I mean, everyone gives so much love to Big Lebowski, which... It deserves it. Don't yes. get me wrong, <laughs> but it's just—it's funny that sometimes people do forget about raising Arizona, which mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage is so damn it's good in the, it. Yeah, He's exactly. so damn it's good in it. Best performances, yeah, his career and yeah, in love. He's—he's—he's he's, he's great. Um, for me, I'm going to go back. I don't—I think this was like '96, '95. I'm going to do the movie Dick. Okay. Because it's on Blu-ray. It comes out uh, on Blu-ray finally. 
And it stars Michelle Williams and uh, Kristen Dunst Dunst and uh, Dan Hedaya as uh, Richard Nixon. Tricky Dick. Get down, checkers. Um, I just... I did, this movie was one of those films that I remember when it came out, it didn't do too well in the theaters. And uh, this was about the time where I really started to explore seeing different types of movies in the movie theater and not just, you know, big movies like Star Wars or action movies like Die Hard, where I started seeing like these random little movies. And I remember going to see Dick and there was like nobody in the theater. <laughs> and I just remember enjoying the hell out of it. And we, Ashley, my wife and I, we just watched it uh, about about a year ago, and I just just how great of a film it is, yeah. and then you know showing the the creative brilliance of Dan Hydea as as Richard Nixon and how yeah. he just becomes that character, but also seeing Michelle Williams and, and Kirsten Dunst in this in these roles where like. And seeing where their careers and are they're now, they're super young, exactly. I know. Yeah, it's I know. like it's crazy. it's crazy watching yeah. it, but just that movie had so many great one-liners mm-hmm. and just like the silly idea behind like the deep throw thing and like just how like these two clueless hippie girls <laughs> did the whole thing. I mean, I just I just really loved it, and for some reason it just. It feels so perfect to be coming yeah. out now, <laughs> now you know, yeah. like on, on Blu-ray, because you kind of watch it and, you know, just like fantastic pieces. There's a little bit of a parallel there to sure. uh, someone who's in office right now. <laughs> uh, but I just, you know, it's just a feel feel great movie and one that just did not get a lot of love. So I'm yeah. so glad that they're putting it on Blu-ray. So hopefully more people will be able to appreciate it. There you go. Um, and now we're going to switch over to our final thing today, which will be the indie spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you got for us for this? Uh, I'm going to shed a, a light on uh, Private Life, uh, which is oh, just I which I, I like it. just uh, was released on Netflix a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, but it's uh, oh god, I'm, completely, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Catherine Hahn? Ka- no, uh, the T- T- Tamara Jenkins. Tamara Jenkins, yes. Uh, who uh, is makes a movie every decade or so? <laughs> uh, like she started with uh, Slums of Beverly Hills, uh, then she did Savages about I think like 2007, 2008. Now she finally has this one and. I just I'm I, I love this movie. I, I think it'll make my top ten this year. It's just uh, I, I wrote as much in my review as that. Both Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn are what I like to just call like real life actors in that like they're not completely dedicated to drama. They're not. In t- I mean, and as funny as they can be, they're not completely gen- like owned in that genre. They find this place in the middle, and they just like they're they represent real people. And I just they're absolutely incredible in this in this movie. And uh, it takes us through a process that. Like as many sitcoms as we've seen go through like pregnancy and all, like and just go through that whole process, we never really know about in vitro fertilization and how that whole process goes. And this movie really dives straight in. It, it, it's like you get the full experience, and it's a lot of ups, it's a lot of downs, it's a lot of emotion, it's a lot of laughs. And I just yeah, no, I was absolutely blown away. With I I lo- I'm glad you brought this one up because I feel like no one's given this movie love. And I mean Netflix was trying to push this one for a week or two. And then they stopped. Uh, I I agree with you. I mean, Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn, on paper, you look at that and you're like, that is an odd pairing. That should not work. (laughs) And they work so well together in this film. And Jenkins is a director. She she always deals with such serious subject matters, but she does so with such – like heart and mm-hmm. there's so much humor to this but there's also so much heartache and pain to it too and it's such a beautiful movie i remember seeing it at sundance and i was just looking forward to it because of the two leads and i i remember walking out of it and i was like wow that was really special that yeah. was something really different and i think it's it might be my favorite film that she's done yeah um 
It's about savages and slugs. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, I'll even do a callback to those. Yeah. It's so sad to think that this movie is just being lost, and mm-hmm. that you know, it's a hard watch. You know, let, let's let's call it as it is. Sure. It's not exactly the most uplifting film to no, watch, yes. especially the way that it plays out. But it's very grounded in reality. And a lot of people have went through things like this, and we don't like to talk about them in movies, but it's important to talk about them because I feel like people can be educated when they watch this movie, yeah. which is something very rare that we don't get in a lot in in a lot of films in general. Actually, so, and I will say, it just occurred to me that I picked both *Raising Arizona* and *Private Life*, which are both about the difficulties of getting pregnant, which is not in purpose oh. on any single way, but you know, patterns. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I I'm glad you brought that out. Well, now I'm I'm actually ashamed that I didn't think about it because I I do agree. Um, and I really wish they would push this one a little bit harder. Definitely. I don't. I don't know how many people have seen it. Um, but it's widely available for all it is, subscribers. It is, so yeah. yeah, use this platform. The <laughs> other one that I was going to, you know, the one I was going to point out, which you know is not exactly you know something that you haven't heard of, but is also out on Blu-ray this week, um, is Black Klansman, like you mentioned earlier. Awesome. Um, if you have not gotten a chance to see this movie, please do yourself a favor and see it. Uh, I think this is one of Spike Lee's best films Absolutely. in, she's probably like a decade or two. Definitely. Uh, no, it's best since Inside Man. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's comedic, yeah. it's powerful. And I mean, the way that he ties this movie, I, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about this, the way that he ties this movie up to the end of the, to, to what's going on today. Yeah. Is just it's it's kind of scary and oh, I, yeah. it's, and I no, that, that, that like that last moment is just it puts you in the back of your seat it's unbelievable. Well, you know the thing is is that people were like so jarred you know it was so jarring about this movie with that ending and like people didn't understand how they got from that point to that point. Mm. But I thought the way that they handled that where you know this is not really spoiling anything because you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but there's a scene near the end of the movie where they step out into the hallway, and then it does this really fast forward thing and i don't think people caught on that that it was like that's supposed to be like you know you're in a time machine and you're going to now yeah you're going to now and then it goes to the the certain footage and i just wow i mean you go from feeling like the champion like we beat this (laughs) yeah Yeah, everything's great and then you're like Oh fuck! Yeah, reality. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and no, it's 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 really powerful and. Adam Driver, I don't think is getting enough love for this movie. Agreed, yeah. Because, you know, I'm not the biggest Adam Driver fan. I will fully admit it. Uh, uh, you know, I was not in in with him being in the Star Wars franchise. There's been a couple of things that he's done where I thought he was pretty good in. Other things where I'm just kind of like, eh, he's all right. But this was like a performance. Like, this was a real performance. And mm-hmm. it, there's so many layers of depth to this performance about him discovering, like, you know, I never thought of myself as a Jew kind of thing. And, like, I just thought of myself as a white guy. You know, it's very I, interesting. I personally can relate to that. Yeah, so, yeah. me too. Yeah. Me too. So it's like, you know, kind of tying into this, you're like thinking about it and you're like, wow, that's heavy. That's heavy. And you know, there's a lot of conversations, but like, I always want to be black and they like kind of talk about that stuff, but it's funny, but it it also hits, hits some very important points. So if you have not seen this movie, I highly, highly recommend it. Another top 10 for me. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so that's it for this week's show. Thank you again for coming on. Eric, why, where can we find you? Go ahead, promote the hell out of yourself. For sure. Uh, you can find all of my writing on Cinema Blend, but uh, if you are into superhero TV and movies, you can also catch the uh, weekly Hero Blend podcast. We have a live show on the Cinema Blend Facebook page on uh, Thursdays at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST, and we have an hour-long podcast that goes live on iTunes and everywhere uh, you can find podcasts. on. Hero, it's called Hero Blend. So, uh, yeah, check it out. All right, sounds good. Uh, you can find me over at We Live Entertainment. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. I also do two other shows here. Uh, one's on the Popcorn Talk Network, which is Meet the Movie Press, which is on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. And then I also do Black Tomatoes, which is on Sunday at 5 p.m. And that's with Carla Renata, and that's on Black Hollywood Live. Thank you so much for watching. Please comment, like, share this video. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, we'll be sure to have Eric back on. He's one of our members and. And obviously, he and I had a great conversation this week, so I'm so excited to have him back on, too. So thank you again for coming on, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.